0: We're back with the news and uh, I wanted to apologize for the delays because well, Intelligence Speech Conference is coming up and uh, yeah, I'll be on that one. It's happening on the 25th of June. You should check it out. A lot of other uh, good podcasters are going to be there and I'll be on a panel and it's going to be great and I had to prepare for that. Sadly, 25th of June is also the day after our biggest national holiday. So, you know, I hope it'll be fine. I'm just going to be streaming straight from a meadow surrounded by bonfires probably. Well, bonfires that have at least burned out. But still, we have plenty of news and plenty of stuff to talk about deeper, really. First of all, recently in the Black Sea, uh, three Russian communications towers were struck by missiles. And as far as we know, the fires that are still raging there haven't haven't been kind of, you know, settled down as of yet. The surviving crewmen of the cruiser Moscow will be sent back again they are being sent back again to the front lines this is reported by the Novaya Gazeta Europa. at the same time another Russian newspaper Vaznoye Story, important stories claims that Russia has lost up to 42 percent of all of its tanks during this war with Ukraine and at the same time in um, the Kherson district, which is near Crimea, just, just slightly north of Crimea, apparently there will be a referendum about them joining Russia. But, you know, such referendum has been planned for uh, a pretty long time already. And right now, well, it's officially being created, and this is being led by kind of the leader of the occupational administration of the region, Kirill Stremousov. Now, first of the big news. Lithuania because of the European sanctions coming into power, have stopped allowing Russian transit trains with the goods that are under sanctions and they, they can no longer pass to Kaliningrad. This is one of the two subjects that we're gonna discuss in detail at the uh, at the end of this episode. Germany, for the first time ever, has confiscated a property of a of a deputy of Gosduma, uh, three apartments no less and um, and a bank account. And according to the data of um, agency, well against that's the new source that I'm coming that I'm taking this from. This is um, related to the kind of de- elected deputy from the Communist Party of Russia, Roman Yabikov. Also, at the same time while all of this mess is happening, the Russian government has now taken a decree that means that everyone who gets, who's serving the government, you know, any clerk or every, everyone else who gets to go to Donbas region for work during during this whole period of war, yeah, they'll get double pay. One of the Russian companies, Azur Air, has stopped using almost half of their planes by now. At this point, they claim the reason is lack of spare parts. Now, this is something that we had predicted early on in the war, but finally, after some months of, well, actually being under sanctions, yeah, this is the first of um, Russian companies that are probably gonna cut down on the amount of planes that they can fly. Another interesting thing that happened inside of Russia was that the largest mobile operators have started taking, well, uh, surcharges for the SIM card itself, under um, well, uh, as if you make a new contract with them about about um, mobile mobile networks and everything, the reason is it's just because just because it's the the prices for the SIM cards for the companies have increased uh, two point five times because well they no longer operate in Western markets which basically means that, yeah, right now you also kind of have to purchase SIM card as a product itself whenever you want to get a new deal. Normally they're given out for free and we never we never think about how much of these cost. But, well, apparently life's a bit different at this point. Roskomnadzor, the Russian kind of media controlling site, has now blocked completely the Daily Telegraph, which, well... Should be accessed by a VPN if you're inside Russia, just as this show, mind you. However, in a weird, weird um, shift of, of of their language or something, they are cutting down on the availability of VPNs because a lot of people in Russia these days use VPNs because they are an important tool against well tyranny of your government. But they they run into some legal troubles, so now they're cracking down on the VPNs themselves. Like the VPN that worked yesterday might not work today. However. Well, they at least claim very publicly that those who use VPNs will not be punished, or or any or prosecution will not be, kind of pushed against them. In case of Russia and them being this extremely specific, yeah, that's that's a bit weird. I'd be um, I'd be much more much more worried than them. European Union and Europe in general basically is. It's going to be necessary for EU to, get to, to kind of get used to not using Russian gas at all. This is a warning issued by the International Energetics Agency. This comes after the fact that Russia has now caught the export of oil and gas in kind of a list of European countries. So you know, if if you thought that the the sanctions are just because we don't want their oil, well now, now they're not giving their oil and gas to us as well, which is quite, well bizarre. I mean they are ruining their own economy, which is good, but I don't even know how all this oil and gas war is gonna gonna play out. The government of Ireland has frozen Russian assets and a, an amount of one point seventy two billion euros, which is about. 200-something billion dollars, which is great because, well, I'm still just wondering how they find even more assets to seize and, and freeze, actually. Because, you know, they should be frozen by now, at this point. And when talking about money, we have um, we have basically USAID agency and Samantha Power from it, who has now stated publicly that Ukraine is apparently spending five to six billions of dollars on this war each month. Which is why, well... International aid really helps a lot. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, the foreign minister of Italy, Luigi Di Maio, has left his party, which was the Five Star Movement, because the party has basically refused to send any military aid to Ukraine. I mean, Italy might think they're far away, but still, kind of disheartening for us here in Eastern Europe to understand that. Well, people in Western Europe might get tired of this war and. Just not be as interested. However, well, let's see how this turns out. Th- turns out for him, Britain has refused visas to enter Britain, obviously, so that they would basically, they basically participate in um, in the session of p- parliamentary assembly of uh, that Russia's kind of. United Security System. At the same time, they've also barred a lot of Russian diplomats, I think the ambassador and uh, a few others from entering West- Westminster and, and like official buildings. So that's quite a quite a nice little trick, but you know everyone's trying to figure out what other sanctions to put on. while this whole war is still raging on. There was also another fire. In the oil factory, you know the one makes the one that makes gasoline from oil in Rostov oblast This um, this apparently happened according well, it's in Russia near Ukrainian border 10 kilometers from the Russian border and Apparently according to what we've seen on videos posted. This has happened as a strike from a drone and Well, I spoke to some of my Lithuanian friends And everyone here is basically super excited because, hey, it might be that one drone that the Lithuanian people donated money to. You know, that'd be cool. And um, the government of the Russian Federation will will stop their kind of projects on two, two large infrastructure ideas that they wanted to build because of all the expenses that the war in Ukraine has incurred. First of all, they are going to stop the building off a railway bridge in Sakhalin. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And uh, another railway bridge between Yakutia and Magadan. The total kind of cost of all this was 2.3 trillion rubles. But yeah, again, we're seeing that sanctions work. And that situation is getting more weird and, and, and strange and I kind of, I kind of think we'll need, we need we'll need a couple of more months before sanctions really kick in, like in a hardcore way. In the meantime, two of the Russian banks, Zberbank and VTB, have stopped um, send, have stopped people from even sending dollars and euros and other, any other foreign currencies to other Russian banks. The, the Zber has explained that the bank cannot guarantee. ...that the foreign currency transferred to another bank will be successful. This ca- You can only convert your money into rubles... ...and then, you know, you can transfer the money to your friend already in rubles. The issue here being that, well, the exchange rate of ruble... ...is extremely kind of low at this point, artificially low... ...so low that in the economics forum, about which we'll speak next... ...the, the local, local business owners actually complained... Now, the fact that it's really hard for businesses that are not exporting businesses to make any profits with such a extremely low kind of course of ruble. The ruble is way too valuable. And, you know, buying dollars with it, also weird. It's all a very strange economical situation. But about the economics forum. Interesting thing happened with it since... Um, well, the only actual leader that was invited that represented another country besides Taliban, but I mentioned that in a previous episode, since well, of course they called Taliban to their economics forum, was Mr. Tokayev or President Tokayev of Kazakhstan. Now, if you remember, we made a we made an episode about Kazakhstan earlier this year, since just before Ukraine happened, there were massive protests in Kazakhstan, which led to the old president who had basically shifted away all the responsibilities and powers from president to head of national security council the the position that he had created himself and due to the protests Tokayev, the new president that came after Nazarbayev, well he kind of managed to roll back the constitution and now he is a president that's about to do a lot of reforms in Kazakhstan at the same time he also called in the Russia's own organized mini-NATO to kind of quell the protests after that, since they wanted to turn the country into a more parliamentary country, since it's been a pretty dictatorial thing. And he's been sort of a staunch ally of Russia, not so much as, a, not so much as Belarus and crazy man Lukashenko, because Tukayev can still, you know, stand on his own two feet politically. But then he made a nasty surprise. You see, in, in this forum, they had their talk with Putin and Mr. Tokoyev. And turns out that um the propaganda wasn't up to, up to snuff this time, since, well, the moderator for this conversation was none other than Margarita Simonyan, who should be a well, very recognizable name for the listeners of the show, since, well, she's among the chief propagandists of, of Kremlin. Now, the interesting part here is that nothing would have happened, really, Except that Margarita Simonyan extremely pushed Tokayev about, you know, about how he should recognize Donetsk and Lugansk so-called People's Republics, and he was really pressed for this, like to the, the ridiculous extent. And at one point, he basically declared that, um, and I quote here: "Well, we can't, we can't recognize, and Kazakhstan won't recognize any such separatist republics." Including, by the way, he mentioned that only Donetsk and Luhansk, but also Kosovo and Taiwan, which he considers separatist republics because, well, he apparently wants closer ties with China, since Kazakhstan is a large country in the Central Central Asia, and they basically dominate Central Asia with all the stands over there, and, well, China is a much more important trade partner than Russia. So he basically publicly, in Putin's face, declared that, oh, no, 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 we won't we won't even recognize these places there'll be chaos in the world also he stated that well trading with russia is really nice and we wish all the best for you guys but we are going to be we're going to be looking at the sanctions very strictly and we're going to be observing them since well we might have secondary sanctions declared on us if we disobey them and you know friendship's friendship but money's kind of important and um, well when as I was looking at this, the camera swiftly moved away, but you could see basically Putin collapsing on his own weight and just slipping down. And I think I think a lot of yelling happened um, afterwards at Mr. Uh, Miss Simonjan, because she was well very confused. I suppose she ex- she expected him to be a lackey, and the reason why is because after this she was a bit confused and she tried to counterattack with this. ...statement about how maybe Tokayev... ...should recognize these places... ...since, you know, he kind of owes to Russia... ...because, again, of all the protests... ...that happened earlier this year. And, um... It ...turns out, no, no. Tokayev basically stated that... ...in the Kazakhstan protest... ...it is very, very kind of... ...very erroneous... Uh, erroneous ...to state that Russia helped Kazakhstan. Apparently, no, it was the whole security block... ...the Obesie, as you call it in Russian... ...in, in general... And he mentioned Belarusians there, and people from Turkmenistan, you know, places like that. He stated that, uh, basically, he doesn't owe anything to Putin. Now, this hurts even more than, you know, this whole economy stuff, which everyone understood already. But uh, the fact that he declares that he owes Putin nothing, and pisses him off, is harmful to Putin. Because, again, Bratwa and all my prison culture episodes. This is kind of a smack in Putin's authority. And, you know, he was really angry about the situation since, uh, according to Kazakhstan media, Tokayev also refused to wear an order of Alexander Nevsky, which was supposed to be given to him. Since, well, quoting my favorite journalist Alexander Nevzorov, Russia wanted to get out of this mess by just ordering baubles to people. And um, that usually works on countries like Venezuela or Eritrea. No offense to people living there, but, you know, they're the staunchest allies of Russia and usually get all the loans from them. I, by the way, have no idea why Eritrea supports Russia because I don't know anything about Eritrea, but I should probably find out. Now, of course, Dmitry Peskov, Kremlin spokesperson, denied all this and stated that, oh, no, we didn't want to award Tokayev any orders. However, uh, you know, if every time... If every time Dmitry Peskov stated a lie or just mumbled something stupid, I'd be a very rich person by this point if I'd get a euro every time he did this. And again, this this is kind of just another wave of you know countries who can stand up to Putin at this point since, well, all the lost tanks and everything. And Lithuania, again, which I mentioned earlier, well, they finally started observing the sanctions. Now, what has happened is that the Russian side is calling this a total blockade and basically comparing it to an act of war. But what happened is that Lithuanian government owes like 95% or more ridiculous amounts of railways in, in uh, Lithuania. So, although they have a deal with Russia about how Russia can use their railway system to transfer goods freely from one side to another, it also involves a point in this dealing that was made in, I guess, 2006 or something, that this will in no way interfere with Lithuania's ability to control what goods cross their borders. And due to complex law shenanigans, what, what basically means is that um, if they hadn't sanctioned Russia and would allow this transfer of um, these, well, goods that are under sanctions throughout Lithuanian territory, then they would be complicit Uh, and russia's kind of operation which would be an extremely unpopular decision to make domestically inside of lithuania and also that would violate a bunch of laws of eu laws so well they did the only reasonable thing and declared that any goods that are under sanctions and cannot be exported outside of russia will no longer be allowed to pass through the, the, the territory there now of course russia made very overt threats they stated that unless eu fixes this somehow they literally will answer with every possible means of response that Russia has. Basically, it's all tantamount to declaration of war, and this is coming from ministers of Russia and Gosluba deputies and everyone. This angered Russia to a bajillionth extent. However, if you, if you remember about Tokayev, yeah, what's Russia going to do? Even Russian political analysts and economists are stating that it's going to be pretty hard for Russia to enforce Lithuania to do anything since it's also a NATO country after all, and in EU countries, so that might not look good. In the meantime, it's really hard to get to Kaliningrad from mainland Russia. You know, because the transport boats are not getting insured, and you have to fly a plane through ridiculous routes. It's getting pretty difficult. And also for all the businesses in Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad might be kind of um, the painful dot on which to press even more if we want Russia to stop this war. But yeah, all in all, well, I would normally state that it's it's super unlikely that Russia will actually do anything, but hey, you never know. Also, seeing that Lithuania doesn't border Russia directly, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, sorry. Latvia and Estonia border Russia directly. Lithuania only has a border with Belarus. So, Lukashenko would have to get involved. And since we know that Putin's been pressuring him to get into this war since the beginning of all this mess, and he hasn't done it yet since well, I quite likely presume that Lukashenko is more worried about his own skin. Yeah, we're going to have to see how all this turns out. We're still preparing some interviews for you, and we're going to be on that intelligence, intelligent speech conference. Please follow us there. And thank you for listening. Please consider becoming our Patreons on patreon.com slash Border. Or, you know, you can just also go to our homepage, theeasternborder.lv, and click the donate, donate to us button there for a one-time payment, because we're going to be going back to Ukraine, rather sooner than later, mind you, and also, well, you can become our Patreon through that, or you can follow us on Twitter, at eastern underscore border, and if you want to become our Patreon through there, you can just click on the little monitor icon there, any contribution is very much appreciated. But that's all for today. And I hope you enjoy the news. We'll be following them as usual. A lot of interesting things are going to happen into the front lines. There's going to be a lot of movements near Donetsk nearby. I've just listened to a two-hour two hour long lecture by, by Igor Girkin, and I'm on to translating that as well. So, yeah, we live in interesting times. So, once again, thank you for listening. Das vidanye, And remember, happiness is mandatory.